Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to 2022. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since we've done one of these podcasts. Oh, we've been bad. Yeah, and, well, and we've heard about it, too. We've actually had fans say, where the heck are you guys? Yeah, well, there's been a lot going on behind the scenes. Um, and, uh, you know, one of them is, unfortunately, my, my mother took very ill. Um, and I was helping out my, my father. Um, she's still in the hospital. But uh, for those wondering, she is showing signs of improvement. So... That's well, good, but well, uh, give, her, give her our best. Thank you. And uh, look what happens when we go away. Oh man, my place just goes to hell. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like you know we went away thinking, oh, we're gonna have a COVID Christmas. It'll be quiet, but you know, snow. It'll be nice. A couple of presents, you know, some eggnog, and then we'll get into the new year. And twenty twenty two will be so much better than the last couple of years. And then whammo. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Um, I don't even. I'm. I'm both surprised and not surprised by the state of affairs going on. And we're referring, of course, to the ongoing trucker protests, which started in Ottawa and then spread kind of unsuccessfully to Toronto. Um, And then uh, out in Alberta, uh, the border with Montana and most troubling, probably the the slowdown at the Ambassador Bridge between uh, Detroit and Windsor, where a huge percentage of uh, the, uh, tra- the, the uh, uh, economic trade between Canada and the U.S. happens. Oh, something like $400 million a day. Yeah, yeah. It, the percentage that goes on that bridge is insane. Um, and it's been slowed down. It's causing uh, ripple effects in other industries. There's one auto manufacturer to shut down a shift because they can't get to parts in time. There's uh, truckers who are not part of the protest who are forced to sit for four or five hours to get through and they don't have bathrooms, they don't have food. Um, and uh, it, this has, and, and this has started out supposedly against uh, as a movement against mandatory vaccines for, 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 for drivers. For, yeah. For, for uh, internationals, you know, cross border Canada, U S trade uh, um, truck drivers. Yeah. And it quickly coalesced into um, a hodgepodge of grievances. Everyone with a whistle, a bullhorn, and a crazy idea. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gathered, you know, Canada's version of, of Trumpers, basically. People who are just upset that they feel that they're not being represented, that their interests are being overlooked, that other people are getting better, more attention than they are. Um, it's, it's the same sense, set of grievances that American Trumpers have that coalesced into a movement. And this appears to have coalesced into a movement. Um, I don't know that even after the trucks are gone, whenever that is, that this is going to go away. Um, you know, we were, we were nice and, and smug and comfortable here that uh, they had the January 6th insurrection in the United States. And we were like, well, we don't, we don't have that kind of thing well, here. Thank God we're not Americans and do yeah. that kind of crazy stuff. And, and here we are. I know it's important to like, point hold out. my beer. It's important to point out the percentage of people, the number of people involved in these protests is when compared to the, the Canadian population is minuscule. It's the, the number of truckers involved are said to be less than 10% of the trucking industry. Well, and that's been denounced by by the Teamsters, by the Canadian, uh, the, the the trucking various uh, uh, trucking associations, by um, you know everyone from U-Haul to you know anyone who to, who has to do with trucks in an official capacity has has denounced this, saying we want nothing to do with this. And and some and some of the people who are contractors and subcontractors who have the logos of companies on the side of their trucks. Uh, you know, they've, they've had uh, companies who said, guess what, that guy's no longer with us, that truck has no business being there, we don't want our name associated with this. So there's been a real pushback, and a disavowal of, of disavowal, foul? Yeah. <laughs> disavowal, yeah. not disemboweling. There you go, like disemboweling, but it's disemboweling yeah. uh, of the, uh, of, of most of the mainstream truckers and you know the, and the, the crazy thing is and you've got to say that right off the bat which is the united states has its own vaccination rules and you can't get into the united states without being vaccinated so it's not that you know canadians say okay you need vaccination to get back in this country 
Um, you need one to leave it. You need one to leave it. So it's it's not just a Canadian issue. And even if Canada waved a magic wand and said, guess what? You don't need to be vaccinated to go across the border anymore. Uh, the Americans would have something to say about it as soon as you cross the, uh, the center line. Well, and, uh, you know, federal mandates uh, are restricted to federal workplaces, um, airlines, and uh, tra- you know, trains, any, any, trains uh, any kind of transportation. Yeah. Um, but the individual companies like airlines want mandates. You know, yeah. they have their own they have their own mandates. Um, you're you're not going to get rid of these mandates simply because you decide you want to. And this is a very this is a this is a, a critical point in uh, our history of, as a country um, because are we is this going to be something that we see repeated again and again whenever these malcontents decide that it's up to them to decide how the country is governed um, is this are we going to see more truckers are we going to see now truckers are being taken seriously because they have multiple ton vehicles that block roadways um regular protests i think if they were just regular protests without the trucks this would have been broken up by now um the issue is they're the trucks are huge um there aren't enough tow trucks to tow them um there aren't enough uh, impound yards to fit all the trucks um it's difficult to tow these trucks through city streets it's these are massive impediments these are these are basically a loaded gun to the head of the government. And that's why, and I think that the police have been very circumspect because they know there's people in this this movement that want, are looking for a flashpoint. They're looking for a a, a police pushback. They're looking for a show of force. Yeah, and it'll mobilize them and it'll bring in more donations and it'll bring in more people. And so, you know, I've... You know, I've, I've looked at it, I mean, the, the, obvious, uh, the obvious comparison in the way police have handled things is the G20 in Toronto, yeah. which was a terrible human rights violation and, and just a, a, a shame and a blight. But, you know, in, in that case, the police came in really heavy handed. They kettled people. They, uh, you know, they, they grabbed uh, innocent people off the street and they, they held them in terrible conditions and it ended up, you know, you know, the police ended up having to pay a $16.5 million lawsuit settlement and an apology for the way they behaved at the G20. So I'm not suggesting that they behave like that, but some, there, well, there's a continuum there in the way you handle things and the way that Ottawa has handled things has been to just say, what do you want us to do? Um, you know, we don't, uh, you know, the problem with Ottawa is it's a really soft target um, to begin with. I mean, the, the, the level of security in Ottawa uh, is, 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 is remarkably lax, actually. Uh, you know, there's, there's only like one way in and one way out of the entire town. That street in front of, between the Parliament buildings, uh, Wellington Street, between the Parliament buildings and, uh, and the Langevin building, the Prime Minister's office and the, and the Privy Council office, is just, uh, you know, it's a couple of lanes and it's a main thoroughfare. I mean, it, it, it's the way you get through that part of the city, because, you know, if you go away from uh, the parliament buildings, it's a warren of narrow clogged, usually under construction, one way street. So nobody uses any of them. Everyone uses Wellington Street. But if you cl- so if you close that down and, you know, it, and strategically, uh, it, it was uh, you know, the perfect street to, to close down because it really brings the city to its knees and it's really hard to get people out of. But the police have just sort of, you know, done two things, I think. I think generously, you know, we'd say, well, they haven't wanted to provoke anybody uh, because it will be a catalyst for uh, bigger problems. But I think, you know, at the beginning, it didn't start out quite that uh, quite that cerebral. I think it was just a holy God. We're just used to uh, rousting uh, homeless people who sleep in the doorways and byword market, and uh, you know, and drunk University of uh, of uh, Western uh, of uh, of Ottawa students. Um, aside from that, we don't know what to do. Um, and kind of, you know, gives, there, there's been this, this display of, of complete lack of police willingness to do even the, the smallest thing, right? How brave do you have to be to ticket a truck? Um, you know, you know, they looked at me, you know, we got swarmed. It's like, well, you're the police, you've got 
stuff. You've got, you know, you know police now, you know, walk around with military grade hardware all over their bodies. You know, they're, they've got armored vehicles and all that kind of stuff. And they love to, you know, trot out the thin blue line stuff. But when push comes to shove, it's like, well, you know, that trucker, you know, looked at me mean um you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna risk anything with that and so they've let this thing go on and embolden them and instead of sort of you know picking off you know the way you do it you pick off people on the periphery you start closing down you know more and more areas you move your roadblocks up you just contain it you uh, you know they started to to uh you know, starve them of gasoline and other sorts of things. But, you know, but now you know, they're putting out porta potties for them. They're, uh, they're letting, you know, they're, they're in full view of the police, allowing, you know, jerry cans full of gasoline and propane and, you know, to, to go through when they've said, no, that's, we're going to cut off their supply line. Um, they haven't done that. You know, they've just refused to enforce the laws that they do have instead and keep saying, well, you know, we need, we need more laws. We need more things. It's like you've got all the laws in the world to, to shut this down. I mean, there's the Highway Traffic Act. There's you know, city bylaws. There's the criminal code. There's, you know, the National Capital Commission has a million rules about what you can do. You know, famously, they shut down two little girls about seven years ago who had a lemonade stand on, you know, on, on the uh, edge of a park. Uh, you know, two little girls making money for, you know, for, for, uh, for whatever for little charity. girls spend money. Yeah. On. Well, it was for a charity, I think. Oh. And, and literally the police came in and shut them down and, and, and threatened to uh, give them a ticket for, you know, setting up an unauthorized business. That's the kind of stuff that they love to do. But, you know, when they're faced with a real problem, it's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't like the look of those teenagers. Well, what do you think of the theory that's been filtered around on social media that the tepid response by the police is because the police support the, the goals of the truckers? Well, there have been a couple of police who have uh, been quoted in the media of, as saying that they are sympathetic to, to you know, they, they are, you know, anti, anti-mandate people themselves. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that they feel like, uh, you know, they want to overthrow the government, but I don't think that there's a, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people, you know, in blue who are, uh, who are fans of the current government. Um, you know, I don't know how they vote, but I'm guessing a lot of them don't vote liberal. And, you know, they are as disgruntled as, as a group as anyone else. You know, their union, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the police union in Ottawa, I believe, was uh, very much against vaccine mandates for the force themselves. So I think there's a certain alignment of some interests there. Um, but, you know, the, the bigger, uh, the bigger goals, you know, and this is the thing that everyone kind of forgets. I mean, they say it's about this, this crazy vaccine mandate, which, you know, is, is, is ineffective, even if it was passed because of the American side of things. But, so, you know, they, the, the people who organized the Ottawa convoy published a manifesto, you know, they called it a memorandum of understanding, which was written in the most crazy <laughs> grade school quasi legalese it's you know it's it's like someone someone trying to sound like uh, you know they're they're uh, a middle ages uh, king um in a in a in a really bad shakespearean play and they wrote this thing and they they said you know what we want to do is sit down with the governor general and the leader of the senate yeah and i'm not i'm not sure who that is um i mean there's a, there's there's a government leader in the Senate. Well, this because in the problem with the Senate now for them is that more than half of the senators were have been appointed by Trudeau at this point. So I'm not sure uh, you know you're going to get a sympathetic here, but they're going to sit down with the Governor General and the Senate to basically put together citizens' committees like they did in the French Revolution, <laughs> in order to throw out the uh, the vaccine mandates and basically overturn. The, the the House of Commons, the elected House of Commons, who we just elected five months ago, by the way, we had yeah. an election, and COVID was very much, and mandates were very much on the uh, on the agenda yeah. during that whole election. But when, you know, they're they're going to have a referendum to get rid of Trudeau and uh, and hold a, a a new fair election. Yeah, yeah, um, that is bonkers. Yeah, is the only yeah. way to put and it. That, it's and that's charitable. Yeah, it it to to that that people sat down and came up with this and credibly thought that this is something you could present as as a, a working document towards a resolution this shows 
these people, first of all, have no acquaintance with how our government operates. Yeah. Um, they have no respect for the fact that we've had elections and decisions were made at that point in time. Um, they believe that their cause, which, which is not supported by the majority of Canadians, ought to be the one that uh, carries the day because they've got the big trucks and they're threatening. I mean, they're, they're threatening the government is what they're doing. People don't like yeah. the term terrorism, even though it fits the definition, but they are definitely, they're hostage takers. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're hijackers. They are, you know, and the implied fear that, that violence will break out if laws are, uh, uh, you know, followed, um, to me is a, an existential threat, a solid threat that they're using against the government. These people are um, not, they don't want freedom. They want to be able to do whatever they want. And there's a difference between freedom, as we understand it in democratic societies, and doing whatever the hell you want. If you want to do whatever the hell you want, find yourself an island somewhere where nobody else is, and go do whatever you want. But yeah, and- when you live in society, there are rules, there are civic responsibilities that we have, responsibilities to other citizens, as well as to ourselves. And f- freedom comes with the attachment of responsibility. And these people want freedom without any responsibility. Yeah, they want the freedom of a five-year-old is what it is. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it, it's like, you know, and, and I did uh, on, on the weekend, I, I, was, I was shocked, actually. I did, uh, I, I, I tossed off a couple of tweets as the, the, uh, the truckers were, were starting to just sort of get, get really dug in. And mine said, you know, look, we're all tired of COVID. Like, I'm really tired of COVID. I'm tired mm-hmm. of sitting on the same couch for the last two years. I'm mm-hmm. lucky enough that I've been able to work from home. I, lots of other people, you know, they, they've lost their jobs. They've lost loved ones. They haven't been able to be in the room when loved ones are passing. I mean, mm-hmm. that, it doesn't get much tougher than that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we are still in the middle of this thing and the virus will be done with us when the virus is done with us. And, you know, they keep saying, well, you know, we've moved on to this. We're starting to see this from, from some of the conservative provincial leaders, too. You know, they're saying that the, uh, you know, that this COVID, this Omicron, it's, it's no worse than a cold and all the rest. We'll tell that. You know, we still have in Ontario 40 or 50 people dying every single day. My cousin uh, and her family got the virus. And uh, five weeks later, she is still um, not back to herself. And she was not frail before this. The, the kids recovered quicker, um, but uh, she is a, 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 an active, healthy 65-year-old. It's amazing to me that she's 65. Um, but, um, you know, full-time worker, every, you know, um, and she got it. And she was, I didn't hear from her on email for weeks. And I didn't know what was going on. And uh, she finally responds to my email that she was in bed for two and a half weeks. She really couldn't muster the energy to do anything. And she is somebody, that family were uh, uh, vaccine skeptics um, who basically had to get the vaccine because they wished to travel for an event in the United States. Um, So these aren't people who um, would exaggerate the effect of COVID to try to make it seem more dramatic. This is really what happened. And I know other people, um, uh, Leanna's got a friend whose uh, partner uh, is a long hauler. Um, COVID damaged his heart. Um, and you hear these stories about the, the horror of what COVID actually is. Yeah, for some people, it is uh, no greater than a cold or a flu for some people. Yeah. But for other people, it is significantly more than that. Um, it has long-term effects. We don't even know how long the tail is on this thing. And the significant uh, statistics are how it is, how taxed is our hospital system. Yeah. And, you know, we've got people who have um, elective surgeries who, that have been canceled. And I have to tell you, elective surgeries aren't just, isn't just plastic surgery. Oh There's no! Surgeries. It's 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 hip replacements. It's uh, knee yeah. replacements. It's you know it, you know, it it's you know, in some cases it, it's uh, you know cancer biopsies and that sort of thing. Yeah, these are these are serious um, surgeries, but 
they're not immediately urgent. They're not life-threatening yet. Un, you know, until they are, yes. Un, until, <laughs> and they may advance to be because people aren't getting the treatment now. Um, this is all backing up in our system. The system is, is overtaxed. And I saw some people on social media saying, uh, don't make the rest of us suffer the, because the, the medical system has been poorly planned. Just open some more beds. It's like, wow, you really have no idea what's involved in any of this, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the people say, you know, 90 percent of Canada is vaccinated and vaccines don't stop you from transmitting the illness, which is true. Um, so why are we still shut down? Well, the problem is still the logjam at the hospitals and the, the, law, the, the overstress of the medical system. That is what you need to look at as your metric, not how many people are vaccinated or how many or, or how it's spread, but how overtaxed is our medical system. That's the thing you need to look at. Yeah. And, you know, and there's still, a, you know, we, we've hit a ceiling when it comes to getting people vaccinated. I mean, we've, we've, we've been going on with vaccines for more than a year now. The, uh, you know, there's been public education campaigns, there's been sports figures and celebrities, there's been prime ministers and premiers all urging people to get vaccine, uh, vaccinated. And we still have 10, 12, 15% of the population that is, is, is either not or under vaccinated at this point. And so those people are still really vulnerable. Children under the age of five are, are, are vulnerable too. You know, very, very sadly, we're starting to see some pediatric deaths from COVID. Um, it's, uh, you know, thankfully they're still rare, but kids are getting it um, with, with varying degrees of seriousness. And the people who are just saying like, no, 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 just, you know, open it up, you know, my freedoms, you know, my freedom to move around, my freedom to, you know, go to the Piggly Wiggly and, uh, you know, and, and have a beer. It's you know, that kind of selfish freedom. It's like, I've had enough of this and I don't care who dies as a result of it. I'm willing to take my chances. It's like, yeah, well, you're willing to take your chance with your own life. Like you said, if you're on a desert island, go and, you know, do whatever you like. Yeah. But, you know, you're living in a society and you're decisions affect other people uh and and you know, whether it's through hospitalization or just you know straight to their health and the other thing too is everyone's everyone's now strutting around like omicron is the last variant it's like oh you know this it's one and done now you know it's it's, it's got mild you know it's just like a cold and now it's going to be endemic and you know and so we don't need this anymore it's like you don't know what comes after this i hope nothing comes after this I hope whatever, you know, it peters itself out and, and becomes weak and, and whatever else, or just disappears the way Spanish flu did. You know, we said well, that about no the Delta guarantee. variant. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There's, there's, there's no way to know. And nope. the thing is that nobody, as you said, nobody likes the mandates. Nobody um, uh, likes how long this has taken. Nobody likes the, the, this being an ever-present part of our daily lives. Nobody likes it. But this isn't a popularity contest. It's a virus. And the virus doesn't care whether you like it or don't like it. They don't care whether you're fatigued with all of this. And this is not to minimize the psychological and physical effects of fatigue, um, of COVID fatigue, of isolation. These are very serious concerns. But yeah. they're not a reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There, you need to, you know, we need to, to deal with all of these uh, knock-on effects from the COVID, uh, COVID rules, um, treat them seriously, but that doesn't mean that we then, we abandon taking decent precautions at this point in time. And, you know, when, when somebody makes a point that up to 90% of Canadians are vaccinated and there is vaccinated people who are in the hospitals and the vaccine doesn't stop you from spreading the illness, you look at that and say, "Wow, there's some logic there," but but no, you're leaving out um, facts. You're leaving out uh, important data that is it has to be used to determine the the safety uh, of society at this point in time. It's like some idiot on social media was saying that uh, Trudeau was elected with 32 percent of the vote, and the truckers supposedly are supported by 38 percent of Canadians. So Trudeau and his supporters are the fringe minority. Yeah, that's yeah, right. They're less legitimate than, than the loose collection of nuts who are the truckers. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I said to this person, the actual comparison is not how many people voted for that party in an election. It's how many Canadians 
support continuing the mandates versus agree with the truckers. That's a comparison to make. But this other yeah. comparison, like they don't like being called fringe minority because they don't like the fact that they're a fringe minority and <laughs> they're they're loud. And a lot of these activists are very loud. And, you know, you, uh, there's uh, some of them are motivated um, by spite. They're angry that the Black Lives Matter protests got to happen. And if you can do it, we can do it. There's, you know, some of, I've seen that attitude in a lot of places. You know, what they're not taking into account is that the Black Lives Matter movement ultimately was not very successful. No. Um, it raised consciousness, but defund the police was extremely unpopular. Um, it, it, it helped progressive candidates lose elections. Uh, black mayors and political leaders have come out saying, no, 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 do not defund the police. That is not the solution. Um, so there, there was a lot of emotion and, and necessary awakening of, of awareness of what's going on, but there, wasn't, there hasn't been very much movement. Um, so for all the hue and cry, it didn't achieve a lot of what it wanted to achieve, at least not yet. Um, so, it, I mean, well, the, you have to look at the genesis of it, too, because, you know, Black Lives Matter came out of brutal murders by the yes. police of black people in the United States yes. and people saying, you know, we shouldn't be brutally having state operatives brutally murder black, black people who are minding their own business. Yes. Um, and, you know, a good point. Uh, whereas, you know, the, the anti-mandate people are, you know, I really think that I should be able to go to the movies on Sunday and I'm really tired of this. Say, like, okay, there's a real difference in quantitatively in sort of the moral high ground that, that one has over the other. And, you know, and then you see, uh, you know, the, of course, the, 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 the trucker convoy, uh, whatever, whatever it is, it's hard to even give them a name because, it, it, like you said, it encompasses so many different grievance groups. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, pe people are unhappy. Sure, you know, people are, you know, if you poll people at any one moment, there's going to be people who are unhappy about something, you know, and it may be about vaccines, it may be about mandates, it may be about losing their jobs, it may be about, and maybe you see just sort of the, you know, the various causes that are, are represented that have nothing to do with each other in, in a lot of these protests. Um, and, you know, and you see sort of the real ugliness coming out too. I mean, the, the racism, uh, you know, the anti-Semitism that was coming out in some of these things, um, you know, well, and, the, and then they say, well, that's a fringe within the fringe. I mean, you know, the, if you we look don't, at the history of that. Yeah. If you look at the history of the identified leaders, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, whoa, it's an eye opener. Um, yes. The racism, the anti-Semitism, it, it, it's um, staggering that these usually uh, a, a smart movement will put people with a cleaner record forward as leaders rather than this rabble um, of, of hatred uh, and, and putrid opinions. Um, so don't tell me that it's a small, uh, a small minority. And if it's a small minority, why don't you all use the tactics you're using against police? Go and tell them to get their ass out of there. Like yeah. if, you, if you really wanna keep your, your protest pure, you need to go to these people with the Confederate flags and the Nazi flags and the other things and say, you need to leave now. Because yeah, if and, you don't do it, that, you're condoning it. I saw Canadian flags being burned by, by the truckers uh, yeah. uh, but, you know, in protest. I didn't see a single Nazi or Confederate flag being burned. <laughs> Good point. Good point. And it's... Uh, or, you know, you know, or three percenters. I mean, and that's the other thing, too. I mean, the the the, inf the foreign influences on this thing. I mean, it's now been shown oh, that, yeah. that, that the money that's being funneled into them through, you know, the defunct GoFundMe. And now there's this Christian mingle fundraising Something, site yeah. that they're using. It, it's basically, oddly enough, it's a Christian thing, but, you know, it's, it's funding sort of terrorism. Um, not or, so or odd maybe, anymore. Maybe that's that not kind, so odd anymore. It's that it, kind of Christianity, yeah. not the real Christianity. Yeah, and that money is coming up from the States. And, yeah. you know, it, it came out uh, earlier today that, you know, a lot of the, you know, what we're used to, you know, because we all live on social media and, you know, the, the savvier people are, you know, understand when there are darker forces at work and manipulating, you know, whether it's hashtags or hashtags hashtags or trends and all the rest but you know it came out today a report about uh, there's someone someone in Bangladesh who is one of the major digital media movers of this thing in Canada 
Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you've got, you've got uh, Ted Cruz talking about, uh, the, you know, aligning himself with the Canadian truckers and the attorney general of Texas and, um, and uh, the, uh, the governor of Florida. Uh, you know, you've got all these Trump Republicans who are meddling in our domestic affairs. And I said, well, you know, how would you feel if we uh, started our own GoFundMe to, uh, to send a whole bunch of Mexicans to go back, take back the Alamo? Um, do you think, you know, you might complain that the foreigners are funding that kind of activity in the United States? So just mind your own business, people stop exporting. You know, it's like the old Soviet Union exporting revolution, except, you know, the American Republican Party is exporting Trumpism to its closest neighbor. Well, uh, I think that this is a bit of a uh, incubator for them. I think they're using this uh, as an experiment, as a test case. I think this is, uh, there's a lot of Republican money involved in this. If you look at the GoFundMe when they had it, the amounts coming in were like 10,000, 25,000. They weren't, you know, the, the kind of uh, small amounts that went in for Obama when he was raising money, for example. Um, and there was an attempt to override, uh, I believe it was Ottawa's 911 system to flood it. Yep. And when they traced the calls, a huge, a significant portion of them came from the United States. Yeah. So these are Americans meddling in our affairs, using this as sort of a, uh, uh, a focus group yeah. for some of for the planning a, that they plan to do to a be- dress rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, which, which is- it's frightening because I'm already already firmly of the belief that the U.S. is headed down the path to the death of their democracy, um, and uh, then there will be many years of of strife um, while that's while that's happening. Um, I didn't think it would happen here, but we've got this rump that are easily manipulated, that are easily angered, that are already angry. Um, they hate everything Trudeau represents, which is modernity, um, and and uh, respect for uh, the, va the va evolving values that Canadians en masse hold dear. And he may have only got 32% of the vote, but when you combine his vote with the NDP's vote and uh, you look at that, it's a majority of Canadians. Um, uh, and the bloc even supported mandates. Yeah. Well, so, you know, look, at, look, at, look at Quebec. I mean, Quebec had some of the strictest mandates. And at one point where, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, following a couple of the European countries, examples of finding people who don't, uh, who don't get the vaccine. Yeah. So the majority of Canadians um, voted for parties that were pro-mandate. Pro so that decision has been made. Yeah. Um, if you want to start a public, a serious public dialogue, um, holding people hostage is not the way to be taken seriously. And it is not prudent for a government to engage with people who use these tactics because it then guarantees we're going to have more of this. Yeah. And, you know, there's also this, this sense that there are political forces, you know, the conservative party federally um, who, you know, in, in, in earlier days, the KGB would have called them useful idiots mm -hmm. because they, you know, they're facilitating all of this foreign influence and, you know, the, these, this, this terrible idea that, you know, that people can roll up in their trucks in Ottawa and overthrow the government, which is, you know, at, at, at base, what this is all about. And you see people like uh, Pierre Paul Evre who go out there and, and get their picture taken with the truckers. Um, Andrew Shearer was, was filmed earlier this week going out and shaking hands with them and giving them the thumbs up. You know, the, the well, new leader. Paul Evre today said that he is proud of the truckers. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he's, he's staking out his side and you know, he, he's, he's siding with people who, like we said, published a manifesto that says we want to overthrow the government. Uh, you know, Randy Hillier, who is no longer oh, that lunatic. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, he was too crazy for Doug Ford's conservatives in Ontario. Um, he's appearing on on RT, which is short for Russian television, mm -hmm. which is and is giving them clips and about, about this. And now, of course, Fox News is all over this as well. But the Canadian, you know, the Canadian right represented by, you know, the, by Kenny and by the, um, the federal conservative party are, are quite happy to quickly jump into bed with this angry right-wing protest movement because they think that they can harness it and you know that, that never works well uh, well it's you might be able to slip a leash on a rabid dog but it's still a rabid dog and eventually it'll still it bite you it'll still bite you yeah um uh, it's interesting that polyeva is uh 
coming out so pro-trucker. Um, he said that he wants to be prime minister of Canada, which is him announcing his candidacy for the leadership of the uh, federal conservatives. <laughs> yes. because, um, you, because you can't run for prime minister of Canada. But just, yeah, that's, you know, I, don't, uh, I don't want to break that to him, but yes. Yeah, um, but he he's not an idiot. He's he's a shrewd operator. He's evil, in my view, um, but he is a shrewd operator. And so he must have some data that indicates that uh, coming up firmly on the side of the truckers is going to improve his political fortunes to take the leadership of the Conservative Party. Well, you know, if 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 he stays the whole race, I mean, he may well drop out at some point, And this is just sort of you know, show um, you know, because, you know, he he put his name forward last time and, and withdrew kind of mysteriously. Uh, you, know, may, you know, maybe this is just, you know, political theater i don't know what his end game would be you know to get a good cabinet position or or something you know or maybe he does think he has a shot i don't i don't think he has a shot at at uh, at, at becoming uh, you know the the leader of a of a conservative government in canada uh, you know maybe he's got what it takes to harness sort of the nastier elements of the conservative party and lump them all together into into some sort of black tar uh, melange that uh, you know will will get him the leadership of the of the social conservatives and and the leader uh, leadership of the party but i'm not sure that's necessarily his his end game but then you know you've got people like candace bergen out there who is is also you know she she took over the leadership from from o'toole very very quickly and she was out there uh you know less than less than a week and a half ago you know saying we side absolutely with the truckers as well so and then yesterday they said the truckers should go home yes yes which we, is an know, interesting reversal yes we've always been at war with east asia yeah that's right oceania, oceania. um yeah um it, it's just I, I i'm saddened by how quickly we've descended to mobs um now we it, it, you know there's that the the mean world syndrome which it, it posits that people think the wor world is worse than it is because the media that we consume is all focused on just the bad that exists. Uh, so we get a false sense of just how bad people really are. Uh, I think there's some of that in this. We have to keep in mind that these truckers are a minority. Um, majority of Canadians don't support them, would not support, and, and even if they support their idea, they wouldn't support their tactics. Um, yeah. They were shut down really quickly in Toronto. I mean, the Toronto police did, uh, you know, they, they organized it. You know, uh, they weren't taken by surprise and, you know, they, they broke them up, you know, after, you know, half a day. Um, and yeah, I mean, Toronto did what, you know, in retrospect, Ottawa should have done. Ottawa wasn't prepared for this. They weren't taking it seriously. Now, they didn't know what to expect. Okay. Yeah. But when you don't know what to expect, expect the worst and prepare for yeah. that. Though instead, you know, Ottawa hired a navigator to manage their 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 own uh, reputation, as opposed to you know going out and actually solving the problem. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I I don't think this current mayor is going to be mayor again. Um, no, no, he's already said that he doesn't want to run. So uh, you know, he's like, yeah, what do you want to do? He's had but, enough. And the the mayor of uh, Windsor um, was out talk, talking to the protesters, and he gave a quote to the effect of, "It's very difficult." There's, there's so many different people here in different groups. It's very difficult to figure out who their leaders are and what their issues are. Yeah. Because it's such a hodgepodge. And the people out in Alberta saying that they will not leave until Trudeau resigns, that is pure insurrection. Then, yeah, you're in, and you're going to be there forever then because, yeah. you know, there's, there's no way Trudeau is going to resign. And, you know, and to talk about my favorite thing in the world, which is constitutional jurisdiction, um, the, you know, people are going on, well, Trudeau should have done something. What, you know, and it's like, well, the Ottawa one, it's all on municipal property. So it's all municipal responsibility. It's, or, you know, next level up, the municipalities are creations of the provincial government. So there's maybe a role for the OPP. Doug Ford finally today uh, announced, uh, you know, the invoking of the Emergencies Act, uh, which, you know, gives power to do all kinds of things, you know, guard critical infrastructure and there's fines and and mobilize, you know, more of the police forces and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this really, you know, un unless they were on federal land and they were very, very careful. I mean, they'd, they'd walk around with their signs and on the uh, lawn of, uh, of, of the parliament buildings. Um, the, uh, but, you know, they wouldn't camp out there. Uh, you know, they'd, they'd hoot and yell and give their speeches and they'd, they'd move back onto the street. Um, 
that's the only time they're on federal land. So the RCMP technically would be responsible for that. Um, but as soon as you step off of that, the RCMP is not involved anymore. Um, and you can't just kind of call in the federal cops or call in the army. Everyone's like, well, you know, invoke the War Measures Act, which, you know, is, is hasn't been around for a while. It's now the Emergency Act, and, and it's been softened down considerably from the old War Measures Act because of the because of the the difficulties and problems that it, it caused the last time it was uh, invoked in uh, in, uh, uh, in in Quebec. Um you know, that is only done at the bequest of a province and the provinces were not requesting, you know, the invocation of the Federal Emergency Act. And I don't think a Trudeau uh, really wants to send in the army again to quell um, a, a civilian problem because people still hate Pierre Trudeau in certain quarters for having done that uh, back in the 1970s. So I don't think Justin has an awful lot of enthusiasm for, you know, calling in the, uh, you know, the Air Force and the uh in the tanks yeah and uh and it's not his problem like i say i mean the bridges you can start saying okay critical you know it's borders critical infrastructure is it the canadian border uh security um, um agency who, agency yeah. who do you know you know they they're armed but they're small they're they're not they don't have it's not like the united states where there's national guards and all that kind of stuff i mean we basically have in ontario the opp local police forces and that's about it uh, and if they're not prepared to do their jobs, then you're pretty much stuck. Yeah. And we've talked before about how Canadians are woefully uneducated uh, about how our political system works and where uh, divisions of powers exist. And that it, just because the federal government is the national government does not mean that they have the right to uh, over, you know, to reach in and take uh, action. In something that is a uh, provincial matter, yeah. like uh, the super government, they can do anything. That's the, like, that's the no, thing that people no, always say. Can't. Government always says that government always does whatever it wants anyway. It just doesn't want to do this. No, there are. We're still a country of laws and policies and rules. And no, we can't have the federal government overreaching to to uh, step in and take action when it's on municipal lands. Things are occurring on municipal uh, lands. In, in Ottawa or in Toronto, it's it's not the right place. And I don't wanna see, for expediency's sake, a breakdown in our political system and our divisions of powers. No, no, and you know, and, and it comes out uh, today that the, uh, a reporter was reporting from 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 multiple sources that the federal government was trying to get a hold of the uh, provincial government and say, look, you know, do you want to invoke various things, including the Emergencies Act, the Provincial Emergencies Act, which was uh, you know invoked today? Finally, mm -hmm. uh, they were doing this last weekend, saying like, you know, it, there are resources that will be available to you. We're not talking about sending in the army, but there's all kinds of other resources available to you. Um, you should be invoking this thing and you know the, the word was that christine elliott uh, the, the minister wouldn't take wouldn't take the calls from the feds um when they're you know asking what can we do and how can we help you um they were just ignoring it because they're they were just hoping it would go away and now it turns out that uh, doug ford was off snowbilling up in uh, muskoka uh, that weekend and was unavailable so i <laughs> Yeah. Look, yeah. Look, look to right people to blame if you're uh, saying why this has lasted so long. Yeah. And, you know, this, the sad thing as an aside is that uh, it's still con considered uh, Doug, Ray Doug Ford's race to lose in his reelection campaign. He has been a disaster. He has shown he's not fit for the job. He's not equipped. He's not interested uh, in the job. No, he's 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 not the, he's not the right person for that job. He is not built for that job. He likes the, the power and the pomp and circumstance, but he doesn't know how to govern. Um, and yet he still is the odds on favorite for getting reelected. And that just tells you how weak the opposition is. If there was a strong theater on the liberal side, I could see them coming back strong, but I just don't see Del Duca as that kind of dynamic personality. Yeah, and you know that, that that may be a whole other podcast, but uh, yeah, there's uh, um, you, you'd think again he'd be an easy target. 
but you know, it may be sort of the O'Toole situation with uh, with Justin Trudeau, where you know Trudeau was you know not you know it, it wasn't it wasn't his to lose. He was uh, it was the Conservative one to lose actually um, yeah. and, and replace him, and they just you know didn't didn't coalesce. I'm not sure uh, you know provincially whether or not uh, you know an election is a long time, but uh, I, you know I, I'm fearful of the same thing that you know this government has been been inept. It's been uh, you know the, the um, you know the pandering to the the construction industry to the uh, you know to, to some of the really big uh, people who have turned around and become you know magically really big big supporters financially of the uh, provincial conservative party and oh guess what you know they seem to be getting a lot of untendered government contracts um, you know that sort of transactional politics that uh, you know we you know, we, we like to think doesn't happen in the open and uh, it has been happening pretty much clearly in the open in Ontario but in spite of all of that in spite of the ineptitude and you know the absenteeism I, mean, I don't think ford likes i think he likes to be premier i don't think he likes to do any of the work um i think he likes talking to people on the phone and telling them they're gonna you know fix a pothole or 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 you know move a you know move a street light that's in their in their eyes at night uh, through their bedroom window but the other stuff is is clearly both not of interest and well beyond his abilities yeah um before we go i wanted to add one other thing, one other uh, aspect to this, there is amongst people who are under-vaccinated, uh, there, there are some people who are hesitant um, because of the effects that they've had from the vaccinations to this point. Um, I know that I, uh, for both vaccines, first two vaccines, uh, I was knocked out for a, the next day. Um, for the booster, it took three days and then it knocked me out for two and a half days. Uh, it knocked Leanna out for three days. Um, and uh, I've heard other stories about people who had these results as, you know, from the yeah. booster and so on. Um, not a reason not to get the booster, but I understand there are people who are living check to check and who can't afford to take the day off to deal with the effects of the, uh, the side effects of the inoculation. So there really needs to be uh, some kind of information campaign to shame employers into allowing people um, some paid time off to deal with the effects of the booster. And sure, you're going to get some malingerers who are going to claim that they're that they're having trouble because of the booster, and they're you know they're just going to sit at home and watch Netflix. Um, but you don't stop doing something right because there's some people that are going to abuse it. Uh, I understand the quandary that people have. If they can't, they just can't afford to lose days of work to being flattened by the, the side effects. Yeah. So and they may and, have and no I, side effects, but you're no, rolling and I was the lucky. dice. I, I was one of the people, you know, my first shot, I mean, I was two AstraZenecas and then a Pfizer booster. And my first AstraZeneca, I had for like 24 hours kind of flu-like symptoms, you know, body ache and tired right. and just, you know, grumpy. Uh, but, you know, slept it off the next day. I was fine. Uh, second shot, uh, nothing. Um, and then my booster, uh, which was complete, you know, like I say, I switched uh, from from uh, AstraZeneca, which was highly recommended when I took it, and they changed their mind like two days after I took it. Um, then uh, got Pfizer for my my booster and absolutely nothing. I like you, you, I wouldn't have known I'd had anything done to me at all. So I was one of the lucky ones. Um, so, you know, it, you know, experiences vary. And I've heard people who've uh, been knocked out, like you said, and other people who, uh, you know, in my own family, um, my wife, I think she felt fluey for the first uh, shot as well. And her booster, she felt fluey for about one day. My son, who's just a tank, he's had all three shots and didn't feel anything for any of them. Oh, so the joy of youth. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. You know, but, it, but it, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. It's, no, and you uh, and you don't a, want yeah. the possibility of something you know knocking you out, uh, you know, interfering you know with with your 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 livelihood and making you hesitant to go and get it. Not because you don't want the vaccine, but you can't afford to take a day off work because your employer is not is going to be tough about it. Yeah, the, there needs to be some increased public awareness and pressure put on employers. Not not that it'll necessarily if, if if your employer is is Captain Bly, um, they're going to stay that way. But it is it is a factor for some people. Um, I know that uh, I got my uh, vaccine, my booster, um, one weekend. Um, Anna chose not to get it that weekend. 
uh, because she had a work assignment and she didn't want to be ill on the Monday. Um, so she actually waited a week. Um, now, as it turned out, it made sense because it wouldn't make sense for both of us to be down at the same time. But, you know, she delayed it because of a, a work concern. So I understand that. I, the, these are not people who are vaccine hesitant or anti-vax. They're uh, trying to balance uh, their lives. And yeah. uh, I have sympathy for that. Yeah. And, you know, and that remaining 10% or 12% or whatever it is that's you know, steadfastly unvaxxed, you're just not going to reach them. No, um, and when are you ever going to get a hundred percent of anybody no, on any? You're not, and you know, and you know, but you know, and that's fine. I mean, it is absolutely your choice not to get vaccinated if, if for whatever crazy reason you don't want to, you you don't. But you know, accept that there are going to be limits on what you can do if you are not if you choose not to vaccinate. And they go, well, that's part of my freedom. I said, no, that isn't part of your freedom. You can, you're still free not to get vaccinated. Yeah. But, you know, maybe the job you've chosen, you know, as as a uh, as a nurse, as a doctor, as a uh, as a server or, uh, you know, someone who, uh, you know, works you know, with with the elderly, then, you know, maybe you're in the wrong line of work if, uh, you know, if that is your choice. But it is your choice. Um, there are consequences to your choice, as there are in life. And, you know, if you don't want the vaccine, then that's fine. Prepare to accept the consequences. So, that's you know, and, they're not and, prepared to do. No, exactly. And that's what the truck nuts are all about. I mean, the people in Ottawa or the, you know, the, the treason convoy, they're, you know, they do not want to suffer the consequences of their free choice decision. Um, and you can't have it both ways. Uh, you know, you, you just can't. And there's no middle ground with them either. I mean, that's the problem. You can't be a little vaccinated. It's like when I was saying you know, they want Trudeau to come out and negotiate with them. I'm going, well, negotiate what? They, they're, they're walking around with flags and T-shirts that say hang Trudeau. Um, what's, what's the halfway point on hanging Trudeau? Is it like hang him a little bit? Yeah. Just, you know, just, just hang him for a couple minutes. Uh, it, there isn't a lot of middle ground here. It, just the way there isn't a lot, a lot of middle ground when it comes to public health issues. Exactly. And I think that's a good place for us to bring it to a close this week. It's um, great to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, God willing, we will continue to be back every week. So, uh, uh, Stephen, thank you again. Oh, I got to do a shout out to my mother because, you know, oh, yes, I, I, I was talking, I was talking to my mom just before we went on and uh, she said, you still doing that podcast? I said, yeah, I am. So, well, send me the link. And I said, well, sometimes we mention you too, but it's only because, you know, we know you don't approve of salty language. So, you know, whenever we start going that way, someone reminds the other saying, oh, Mrs. Lawton's may not approve of that. Yes. So <laughs> anyway, so hi, mom. We didn't use any salty language that I can recall in this podcast. So you're safe. Yeah, no, I think we were, I think we were clean. We, we were the models of decor. Forum. Yes. Uh, well, it behooves us to be that way. It does behoove us to be that way. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. We're going to go. Uh, Stephen can be found on Twitter at Stephen Lawtons, which is S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-T-E-N-S. Um, you also have a Facebook page, do you? Yeah, I do, but it's not very political. It's kind of boring. Okay. Um, go to uh, at Stephen Lawtons on Twitter. It's uh, entertaining and informative in equal amounts. Um, and my work is, uh, on newmusicnation.ca. I've stopped giving out my Twitter cause I stopped, I haven't used it really. So I checked a little while ago and you were still, you know, tweeting about Stanfield or something. So it, yes, <laughs> yes, it was, it, I was talking about, uh, Stephen Baker's walk in the woods, <laughs> walk in the snow. <laughs> it so, hasn't been updated for a yeah. while. <laughs> all right. Um, thank you, Stephen. Always a pleasure. Great chatting with you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, he is Stephen Lawtons. I'm Stephen Kersner, and this is Stephen and Stephen. <laughs>